0: Good morning. my name is Daniel Miller. I'm one of the elders here um, and before I start I would I would like to pray again I know we just did that but I I need it we need it so I'm gonna I'm gonna pray again for us. <clears throat> Father, you you are good. Um, before we do anything else before we say anything else we want we want to be there. We know that you are good and that you are for us and I thank you so much for your word and what we find inside of it, that you are, um, you are for us and you have done everything um, for us necessary for salvation, that you have worked uh, so, much as, so much of that out for us um, and explained it to us, Lord. Um, we thank you and, and we look forward to the day when um, we will be with you and when we will know uh, more fully um, your grace and your glory to us. Help us to see it more today, this morning, as we look at a beautiful passage um, in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we will be today in Ephesians chapter 2, and I uh, specifically am going to go through uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through the end of the chapter, so through verse 22. But before we do that, I want to give us a little recap of where we have been in Ephesians because... If you've if you've looked ahead, the first word of my passage is therefore, and so we've got you know we're we're supposed to do something based on what's came before. So we're going to just do a quick run through of Ephesians one and the first part of chapter two, so that we can remember and kind of go out of uh, go out of that into this therefore that it that it tells us. So so what's what's happened so far? So uh, first um, the first week of the sermon um, in the first half of Ephesians one. Paul is, is praising God, you know, for the Ephesians and, and his work. And so he, he does things verse, verse three, um, uh, blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He's, he's praising God. he, um, he talks about being, uh, chosen, predestined, adopt, adopted, um, in verses four and five in verse seven, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. So he's, he's praising God for having already done all of these things, um, in verse 8, we get kind of part of the why, so that he can lavish us with, with riches and grace. Um, riches of grace, excuse me. Um, Christ is you know, going to unite all things. He talks about us having an inheritance and the Holy Spirit being a guarantee of that inheritance. So, so just a whole lot of good news, a whole lot of gospel in that first week. Um, week 2 of our walk through Ephesians, the second half of chapter 1. Paul is praying for the saints. He asks that they would have wisdom um, and the knowledge of God, that they would grow in, in knowledge of him. Um, verse 18, um, he asks that they would know more of the hope of their inheritance. Um, and verse 19, that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us in Christ. And uh, so like kind of the first part, like he praises God for what he's done, and then he's he's praying to God that the Ephesians would know and understand more of that stuff that that God has done for them already. And then we go into chapter two, or sorry, yeah, chapter two, um, which was last week, and we get just this really beautiful passage of Scripture, um, probably one of the most thorough and concise accounts of, of the good news of what God has done for us, probably anywhere in Scripture, right? Um, and there's other ones you could argue about, like, hey, this one's great too, and yes, it is. But uh, Ephesians two just is is so good. Um, you know, it starts, we we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Actually, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to start starting in verse one. I'm going to read the beginning of Ephesians two. And you who are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. by grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated and has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So so really, like everything up to this point, from the first verse of Ephesians all the way down through verse 10, like, is good news for us. Like it is, it is grace. It is good news. And if you look through carefully, does anybody know how many things we are told to do so far in Ephesians? Zero. We have done zero in this. God has done literally everything. This is just a description of what God has done or Paul praying that God would do more for us to know more of him. Right? So we have not been told to do anything. We have not really taken any action uh, at all. And so that's kind of where we pick up, right? That's, that's where we are. We have this, this wonderful passage um, that, that in Ephesians 2, and I, I kind of think jokingly, like uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 2, 1 through 10, like I feel like if you were ever... Um, teaching something, you you know, preaching or like teaching a Sunday school class or, or like a Bible study or something. And like, you just really got stuck and you just got froze. Like, I, I am so lost. I don't know what to do. I really feel like you could read that passage and just pray and walk out and be done. And it would be, it would have ended well, right? The gospel got preached and that's what it is, right? We, we, it's all covered. And, uh, so it's kind of like the eject button on, on something, but like in a good way, like that, that passage ties every, so much of our faith together right there, right? Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And so we walk in and we have a, therefore. And so what do we do? You know, what is this going to be? So in light of the gospel, in light of all the things God has done for us, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, and, and he's made us alive. By grace, we've been saved. And, and why did he do that? He did that so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. Like, wow. Like waves of grace and goodness just washing over us in these passages. And then we get, therefore. And so now, now we're going to get a command. We're going to do something. So what's that going to be? Therefore what? You know, therefore Believe. Therefore, go and tell. Therefore, uh, you know, what is it? What are we going to do? What's the first thing that Paul's going to say, like, let's, let's do this, guys. Okay, so let's read it. So this is, this is now our passage. Ephesians 2, uh, verse 11. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to kind of walk through little by little. Therefore... For he himself is our peace, lost my line, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off And peace to those who are who are near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. By the Spirit, so we have all this, all the the gospel, good news, grace, um, and then Paul says, "Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by by human hands." So, so he says, kind of remember you were call, you were once called the uncircumcision, by who were called uh, the circumcision, and and that. I don't know. May may seem a little strange, but but other places in in the New Testament, uh, in Acts, you know, we see there's like a division between there. There were some some of the the Jews who thought like you needed to believe in the gospel plus you know uh, be circumcised, or follow follow some of the uh, other Old Testament law things, and and we see where um, that's that's not okay. But but Paul's bringing that back up, and he's saying, remember, you who were you were called. Uncircum- the uncircumcision by those who are called to circumcision So he's, he's pointing out that there was dissension between the Gentiles and the Jews right they there was there was a division between those two groups um, uh, and he one thing that is that is different also he's he shifted a little bit here in the first part of Ephesians 2 it's a little bit more individual right so he's saying like, uh, talking kind of about like salvation for, for you. And here he's, he's lumping all the Gentiles together. So he's speaking to the Gentiles as a collective. You Gentiles, the whole group. Um, and so um, circumcision was, was uh, a symbol for, for God to kind of mark his people, right? So they're marked. And so these, these Jews were saying like, you are not, you're not like us. You weren't chosen unless you, unless you do this thing. And it's interesting here that Paul, both times he says, you who were called the circumcision or the uncircumcision by those who were called circumcision. And so like, it's, it's interesting that he doesn't say you were that and they were that. He says you, they were called that and you were called that. Um, and he goes on and he says, um, that circumcision, which is made in the flesh by human hands. And I, I think he's, he's pointing this, this like called, I almost look at it like, like air quotes, right? Like called. Um, Cause if you look in, in Romans two, 28 and 29, uh, Paul says there for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. Uh, his praise is not from man, but from God. So, um, Paul is saying, like there's a perception, there's a division between those people and you, and, and that's, not, that's not real. that's just like the perception. Um, so he's pointing out um, a division between people, and it's kind of a matter of percep- of perspective, right? So like their perspective, the, the Jews' per- uh, faulty per- perspective, is, you're separate, you're different. You haven't done this to be full-fledged members of, of God's family. And that's wrong. And uh, the Jew or the Gentiles were were hearing that, and they they they're feeling outed because like God's people are over there, some of them, and they're they're pointing and saying like you're not you're not quite there yet. So there's this felt division. Um, then we go on. So the, this first verse kind of establishes there's a there's a division between Jew and Gentile, um, even even amongst believers that is unhelpful. But then we're going to go on. Next verse, verse 12, remember that you were at that time. Okay, so now this is facts, right? So first was perception, perspective. Words are hard. Perspection. I'm not even going to try again. Uh, That thing, you know what I'm talking about. Um, now, Now this is facts. So God is saying, He's saying, this is, this is what you were. So maybe God's going to come in and be like, no, you're, you're all the way in. He does, but not yet. Okay, so he says, here's what he says next. In verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I cannot think of a more depressing passage If you remove this from context, right? If we don't look at what came before and we don't look ahead, there is like as Gentiles, which I I am I am one, and I'm assuming all, if not the vast majority of us, are not are not Jewish um, by heritage. uh, Like think about that. So we got five things. I think I got them. Do I got them on a slide of those five things up there somewhere? We'll find it eventually. Um, there we go. So separated from Christ, that's bad. We have no Messiah alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We have no, we're not one with God's people. That's pretty bad. Strangers to the covenants of promise. We have no promise. The things God has said that he's going to do there. They weren't for us having no hope. I feel like that kind of goes with some of those other things, but he's going to say it again. And then lastly, like without God in the world. And so our first command that we get is kind of in two parts. Really, there's a third part later, but two parts. First is like, remember, there's division between, you know, perceived division between you and, and the Jews, Israel, right? They have called you this. Maybe that's unfair. It, it is unfair, but, but they've called you that and, and you feel separate. And then also there's division between you and God. Remember, remember that. That's our first, so like, again, in light of all this good news washing over us of what God's plan is to show us, remember the purpose of all this, because he, he told us, why, why did he save us by grace and send Christ so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's already been promised to us. But then he says, "Remember this. That's the first thing we're supposed to do here." So it's like, "What, what?" Uh, but obviously, he goes on, that would be a really bad. If Dan, Dan chunks up the passages, if he had just given me those first two verses, that would be like, "That'd just be the worst, right? If I just had to stop right now." Uh, so um, So why? why is that what we're supposed to remember? I think is, is a good question. Why is that our charge? First thing, Paul, you know, he could have said a lot of things. Uh, but that's the first thing that he says. He's already front-loaded a lot with the gospel, and he's going to follow it up with a whole lot more. Um, and it's, it's because when we remember what we were saved from, it acts as a contrast to show us how beautiful the gospel is right? How, how often do we just get complacent? Like things are pretty good for us. And so I don't often think about how, how much I need a savior. Right? And so like he says, before you remember the good, remember this, because we need to know where the journey started, right? Where did things begin? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to walk through what comes next, right? But, but remember, this, this was us. And he's already mentioned some of it. Like, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so, like, you, that doesn't need to be expounded on a whole lot. Like, what can dead people do? Nothing at all. And so, like, this is, this is not necessarily a whole lot different than that. Um, it's, he's just kind of talking about it in a different way. Um. <clears throat> Also, I think I think it's helpful before we go into the good parts. While we're in this low valley, the shift in how he's talking about people is is I think powerful. Because in the first part of Ephesians two, it, it's kind of individualistic, right? You you were saved, um, and and you you were this. So like we're we're thinking about how we relate to God as an individual, which is important. But when we are lumped together. So if it's if it's Gentiles, right, is a group of people um, that hits a little bit differently um, for me, and I'm sure it does for you, because like if I'm if I'm mistreated, right, or I miss an opportunity, or I have something bad happen to me, um, I could it might be hard, but I could handle it, right. But what if it was like your spouse, or your parent, or your sibling? or your kids or or literally everyone in your community that you know and care about right what if they were separated from Christ what if they were alienated from his people strangers to his promise with no hope and without God what if all of it everyone you know and care about had no access To God, not just you, all the people like you. just Got a whole new level of low. All right, let's build it all the way up. Okay, so, but like that that hits differently, right? Like it's different when, if I don't have hope, that's bad. But if it's like, what if there's no hope for my children? There's no promise for me to point to and say, there it is. No hope. That's, that's bad. That's real, real, real bad. But the remember, so, so the remember that he said multiple times here, it doesn't end there. We're not just supposed to remember that. Okay, and this isn't, he's not telling us a remember so that we're all morose and, and somber and sad. He's telling us this so that we understand how good he is and how much he has done for us so let's let's go through uh, starting in verse 13 do um, you remember we had division with Israel we had uh, division with God no hope but now in Christ Jesus and so this like but now this is true this is this is something we both hope for but also it is it is real. Today, in this room, right now, for those who are in Christ. So let's read it. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been... Hold on. This text is too small on my Bible. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So you were far, now you've been brought near. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. So can I get those, those five things back up there for me? Okay, oh, go, ahead, go ahead. Yep. Okay. So we were, we were separated from Christ. We didn't have, we didn't have a Messiah. What did he do? We're brought by Christ. We are brought near by the blood of Christ. Go ahead and do the next one. What do we got? What did he do? Okay, we didn't have access to God's people. He broke down the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by the, by the abolishing of the law and commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to you who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And so we're going to see all five of those terrible, 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 terrible things in the position that Paul asks us to remember. He immediately flips on his head and says, no. Yeah, apart from Christ, that's where you were. In Christ, we have them all. Can we go back to that up there? Oh, we got them all. Okay. So strangers to the covenants of promise. We didn't have promise. He came and he preached peace. And the interesting thing is he didn't just come and preach peace to one group or the other group. He said he preached peace to you who were far off. So who needed the gospel? The Gentiles did. They were far off. They're over here, I guess. The Gentiles, they're far off. They needed to be preached the gospel. They needed peace. Who else did he preach it to? To those who were near they needed the gospel too, right? The Jewish people. He he preached peace to both. Reconciled through the cross. We have peace because we have hope because of what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. Without God in the world, we have access to the God who made all things through the Spirit. I don't even have words for some of that, like how, how that, like to go, to go from what we talked about, like what, what we deserve, like me, but also everyone I know and everyone like me being without, without hope, without God, without a savior, without his people, without promise, without, without any of that. And then to go to this, right, is, is just really humbling, amazing, joyous, overwhelmed. Like like we should be we should be in awe of all of that. Um, so what do we what do we do with this? What's our what's our application? And the last, the last three verses kind of hit on that. Um, the first one I would say is, and a lot of times this is used kind of in this context, and I think I would be uh, off base if I didn't bring this up, but unity and reconciliation. Um, so there were, the first thing he asked us to remember is, is division, right between between people horizontally right so the jewish people and gentiles remember there was division they called they called you this they said you weren't in and you you felt that and so there's this division and so um like we we see that in our world right we see people um show prejudice for for one reason or another um race age socioeconomic um, your background, your past, your whatever. okay? And I think if we if we look at this, um, I'm I'm gonna make the case, or Paul is gonna make the case, and I'm gonna remind us of it that like that there's just there's just no place for that in in the church, like of any kind. And his is kind of specifically, in this, in this part of scripture with Jew, Jew and Gentile. So like we could easily connect that to race, but I think like anything. And, and I think that case makes sense. So if, if we look back through some of it, um, as he's talking about Jew and Gentile being made right with God, like look at this. So verse 14, he made us both one. So the Jew and the Gentile, were, he made us both one. He broke down the dividing wall of hostility he created in himself, he didn't just make us right. It says he uh, in himself made one new man in place of the two. So, so to some extent, we were different, right? There, was, there were Jew and there was Gentile. Um, and like there are differences we see in our world with our eyes or, you know, because of this or that. But like this passage says that Christ in himself took the two things and he made them one thing. Right? So and then we keep going. He reconciled us both to God. Both of us were reconciled to God. How? In one body. And he preached peace to you who were far off, and he preached peace to you who are near. Through him, we both have access. How do we both have access? Through him. There's one way that we both have to go to the Father in one spirit. And it's going to continue. We're not not strangers and exiles. We are fellow citizens. We are members of the same household. And so, um, like I would say, this isn't just a warm and fuzzy feeling or a a push for us to get along with people who are different than us. Um, Unity among all those who believe is is part of what Christ purchased on the cross. Uh, Like he is... He is our peace. He made us both one. He, by his blood, broke down the dividing wall of hostility. So if you are putting up a dividing wall of hostility, you are cheapening the blood of Christ. He he died that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. Killing the hostility. That's how he made peace. Through the cross. Um, so I would say racism, prejudice, unforgiveness, and really any kind of division that is lingering or allowed to remain in your heart. It just, there just literally isn't a place for it, right? If there's one body, there's one way of accessing God, like we're all together. Um, the same act that purchased our salvation also tore down the dividing wall of hostility. That's, that's one thing that happened, and it did both those other two things. The same act that grants us access to the Father makes us citizens and members of the household um, with every other believer, and it's not an a la carte menu, right? You take it all or you take none of it. At least, that, I would say that's the idea Paul is trying to convey here, right? It's like you're like these things are together; they are linked together. Uh, and so, all of that—the remember part—why do we remember? Um, we remember that we are we are one in Christ through that. Um, another another application, and and the, these last three verses uh, run through this. Um, we want to fight against numbness. We want to remember where we were before so that we can go forward. And then really the, the action steps, I guess, for us as we go forward, if we want to call them that, is walk in the truth of the gospel, right? Everything it's talking about is current and past tense, like that has been done. Like this has been done. You are this. Remember, but know that right now you have been made whole, okay? And so, if we look at our last few verses, verse 19, um, so then, kind of how it ends, right? So, like, that's kind of a, like, now what? Well, so then, we're going to do this, um, and he, he's going to reiterate, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So we aren't, we aren't separated, right? We aren't outcasts like, like once we were. We're not ignorant to the ways of God. We know. We've been promised, right? So we should, walk, we should walk in them because he's purchased them for us. We are citizens. We are saints. We are members of the household of God. Um, citizens belong, okay? Okay. And so there is no, there is no division, right? Perceived or otherwise, right? Christ has purchased our citizenship in his kingdom. And so if he's calling you a citizen, he's saying, you belong here. Okay? Not because of works done in righteousness, you know, not because of what you've done, but like he's saying, like, you fit, you're here, you're one of us, you belong, welcome. Uh, Saints are set apart and they represent God. Right? So, so we, we need to do that. Uh, members of a household. What do, what do members of a household do? They're near. Right? What's he trying to communicate? Saying you're, you're, you're a member. You're, you're, you're not just belonging to like this king, this greater kingdom thing. We do. But like you're in the house. You're members of the household. You are cared for. You are near. You are loved and you are known like he know he knows you he knows who you are and he cares about you he's already done all the stuff for you to purchase you to bring you in to make you a citizen to set you apart and bring you in to care for you forever and ever so that remember if we go way back why is he doing all this stuff So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, ever. you belong, you are loved, you are cared for, you are valued, you are cherished. So that's that's what we should do, right? We should we should know that, we should believe that, and we should act like that, because Christ has made us that. A couple more verses. We are members of the household of God, verse 20, built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So we're we're built on the teachings of of Christ first and foremost, but also the teaching of the prophets and the apostles, um, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. Uh, Paul, I think on purpose here, kind of mixes metaphors in a really neat and beautiful way. Okay, so what are we? We're part of a building, okay? Also, it, it, that building is growing, right? So it's like, that's like something a tree does, a plant, right? But also, buildings don't really do that. Um, but what do buildings do? Well, they're, they're strong, they're, they're firm, they have structure, they have support, they are solid, right? What's a plant do? It progresses, it gets bigger, it grows, it flourishes, it produces fruit, right? And so those two things don't really do the same thing exactly, but like he's saying, like, you get both, right? <laughs> you get both. Uh, and so how, how beautiful is that, right? Um, I think also we're built together in this. So it's not just like me, I'm a building slash tree thing, right? We together, right? I am one of the parts of this thing that God is growing and building together, right? Um, verse 22, last one, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're built, we're the structure that is growing and progressing and, bu- and you know, producing fruit or whatever, all this stuff growing up. Well, what's the purpose of this structure? Purpose of this structure is that it is a holy temple to the Lord. And so, Um, We, as Gentiles, who were once far off, we were separated, alienated from God's people without promise, without hope, without anything, without God in the world, what are we now? He is making us into the dwelling place of God, right? So he he is building us into not just just a, a monument dedicated to God. I mean, that'd be cool. Right, if if God chose people to like just show His glory, but like it's not just that. It's not just not just to make Him known and make Him great. It is that, but it's more than that because it's a temple. He lives there. He dwells. He dwells among us. So He's building us up into not just a place for Him to be glorified, but a place for Him to be among us and care for us like a shepherd amongst His sheep. It's almost like in, verse, or in chapter 21 of Revelations, verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with, us, is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Right? I mean, that's what it's talking about. Right? So us... So remember, what, what are we supposed to do in Ephesians? We have one job so far. What is it? Remember the gospel. Apart from Christ, we are hopeless and not just, not just like a little bit hopeless or like really hopeless, but like literally all the way. There's nothing at all that you or anyone like you or anyone you know can do to gain favor with God apart from Christ. Well, what about with Christ? All of it. You get all of it. All the good things forever and ever and ever in God's kingdom, flourishing and growing uh, under his reign and care. So be firm in your faith. Know that you are secure in Christ and that you belong. By the spirit, grow in holiness and likeness to Christ. And through that, you will, we will honor the Father and learn what it means to flourish under his rule and care. Let's pray. God, you are good. You are so good. Um, I thank you for the Spirit and for authoring passages of Scripture like this, that even in the uh the darkest, most hopeless things we can remember, it only highlights your goodness and grace all the more. Father, I pray that we would never, never, never grow callous or numb to your goodness. Father, may we always know and remember how much you have saved us from and then quickly move forward to the wonderful grace that you have stored up for us forever. In Jesus' name, amen.